My Life Now is a half-hour podcast show which regularly features reviews of new releases and all-time classics of both traditionally published and self-published books. Tune in for special guest interviews and, of course, helpful tips to not only write your next book, but also to help market it. My Life Now is most often referred to as a great way for authors to get quality exposure and avid readers to discover their next read. Without further delay, here's another stimulating episode of My Life Now. Welcome back to another episode of My Life Now. My name is Dallas Montague and I am the co-host here today. And today we have another amazing guest, Michael Anderson, but we're going to go by Mike today. Such a pleasure to have you here today. How are you? Very good. Very good. So nice to be on the show. Thank you so much, Dallas. My pleasure. We were chatting a little bit before we started recording here that you have your own podcast as well. It's called Your Thought Life Mindset Podcast, and you are pushing 80 episodes. You're almost to 80 episodes so far on your show. That's incredible. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, we're doing three shows a week. So we post content every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And uh, it's just been an absolute pleasure to serve the community in this way. You guys are on top of it three times a week. Wow. Yes. It's a tall order. It really is. For those who are in the podcasting world, it is a tall order. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And you also said that your podcast is one of the number one podcasts of life transformation and mindset type podcasts. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Recently, Samsung uh, sent us that uh, notification that on that particular platform, one of the fastest growing self-development podcasts on their platform, which is really awesome considering we just launched this podcast December 29th of 2022. So it's only seven months old and we're hitting stats um, close to 4,000 downloads a week. And it's just mind blowing to see how, you know, the Lord is really blessing the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to have you here and talk about it. So I think this, this, this mindset transformation in this, you're, you're, I mean, you titled it your thought life mindset. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that and what that means, what brought the title for that, what you talk about in your podcast, how our audience can be impacted by that as well. But before we do, I just want to give you the floor, Mike. Just tell us a little bit about who you are, why you're a Christian today, how it changed your life moving forward, and then we'll we'll go from there. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, we were, my wife and I, we were stationed, I was in the military for 10 years. My wife and I were stationed in a little town in Germany called Bad Hurstfeld. And while I was out doing army stuff, she was back in what we call garrison or on the base. Uh, meeting people. And she met a a lady and that lady introduced us to uh, the pastor and his wife. So in the military, we didn't refer to him as pastor. We referred to him as Sergeant Walker. And Sergeant Walker was just a phenomenal man, uh, really, really grounded in the Lord, obviously at the pastoral level. And um, he sort of took a special interest in me. And I guess over the course of three or four months, we built a very strong relationship. Um, And he was instrumental in helping me, um, you know, devote my life to Christ. So it was in Germany where I first met the Lord. It was there where I got baptized. And I've just been on this journey ever since. And how old were you during that time, Mike? 
when you made that decision? I was 20 years old, exactly 20 years old. Yes. Wow. 20 years old. And so you and your wife making that decision, how did that change your life moving forward? How did that change your mindset in that time? Well, um, so for me, I really had a really, really tough uh, upbringing and and there was some scars there too and i i i i really uh, harbored those in the worst way possible it really impacted how i how i viewed life how i viewed my career but more importantly how i how i re- how i perceived it for me um and it was just uh it was the day that it took place where I gave my life to Christ. It was like there was this lifting of a burden that was pressing down on my shoulders for the first time in a very long time. I felt freedom yeah. that I've never felt before. And it wasn't temporary. It remains with me today. And I think that was the pivotal point for me that took me out of a very, very bad mental space into now the opening of my mind to a variety of new different outcomes, things that I could try, things that I could become. And before it was very narrow, very limited. And it's like the limits, not immediately over time, we refer to those as chains. The chains were broken and I got the freedom to really express myself the way the Lord would have wanted me to express myself. So I Mm -hmm. feel incredibly fortunate for Sergeant Walker. I talk about him all the time. Do you think he's listening to your podcast, Mike? I don't, but I don't know where he is. I wish I could him. find him. I sure would him. like to just meet up with him and 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 hug his neck and mm-hmm. help him understand because of him um, and the guidance he gave me as a young man. Um, I've achieved some incredible things, and yeah. in large part, um, I know that he was listening to the Lord and being very intentional about you know what I call mentoring me. Um, but yeah. Um, just a phenomenal human. I wish I could find him. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I remember back in my life and for those of our our listeners today who have experienced that chain breaking moment where everything, just the weight came off of our life. I was overcoming in my addiction and I gave it to Jesus. I remember the moment like it was yesterday. I was free. I felt free. Like I never felt in my life. And like you said, it's not temporary. It does right. continue. And That's for right. those of us who who do fall back and make mistakes, which we all do, we all make mistakes after we give our life to Christ and after we dedicate ourselves to him, he's still there and he's still welcoming us, welcoming us home every time. That's right. Hey, That's son, right. dust it off, man. Get up. That's get right. Up. Let's That's go. right. Let's keep That's going. Right. Get up. That's and right. So, That's right. man. That's cool. That's really cool that you had that experience in Germany of all places. I mean, yeah, yeah. You talk about being out of your comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Hidden high in the Rocky Mountains, the center houses inmates ages 12 to 22. The experiment in reform isn't without controversy. Blogs report students being tasered or tortured in a dungeon. 18 year old Courtney doesn't buy the hype. Concentration camp tactics wouldn't fly in America especially not for the niece of a U.S. senator, right? 
Will Courtney find a way to run things on the inside the way she did on the outside? Are you looking for a place or will the to center share your take faith away more people than her will listen? Find more Facebook information was by searching with the, the intention of spreading the today and igniting a passion in you to fulfill the Great Commission in our digital age. Their challenge for you is to step out of the mold of non-scriptural practices, reevaluate the state of Christianity today, and recommit yourself to the uncompromised Word of God. Find more information by searching www.faithbook.ltd. That is www.faithbook.ltd. And from that moment of making that decision at 20 years old and then your life moving forward from there, what led from that to now this podcast releasing in December 2022? You know, there's a, there's a huge runway between my devotion to, to Christ and the evolution of this podcast. But I just want to go back for a minute because maybe someone needs to hear this. Um, I, I suffered some very significant levels of trauma. Um, I was told that of the three types that I experienced, they were the worst three, that um, a young person, impressionable, um, could experience. And wow. psychology tells us those first seven years are the most impressionable years. Our minds, our bodies, our hearts are on constant record and everything that comes in, it gets written to our subconscious mind. And wow. then that is the foundation for how we do life later. So I'm starting off life with a very, very tough set of cards that really aren't working out in my favor. And then one of the worst things um, that could happen to a young person is I had a very influential family member whom I looked up to. And this particular family member told me that I was stupid. And because they held such high esteem mm -hmm. in my heart, in my um, six-year-old body, I believed that. I didn't even question that. I just said to myself, well, if they said it, it must be true. Mm -hmm. And so I went from age six, seven, all the way to 21, feeling like I was stupid. And I acted it. I acted like it. And mm -hmm. I played that role. And I became a tough guy because I had to protect this limitation that, that I had all these boundaries and barriers around. And so, you know, coming to Christ was this opportunity for me to be released from that old image, mm -hmm. from those old thoughts, from those behaviors that weren't serving me. Um, yeah. And over time, with an awful lot of counseling um, and an awful lot of mentoring and coaching, I was able to break through those and I was able to come out free, literally free. And, and all of the baggage that would typically come along with that, I was released from it. And I said to myself, um, once I started to really achieve some very significant milestones in corporate, when I started to break down um, a whole host of generational uh, barriers and, and strongholds, I said to myself, self, we need to tell people about this story we need to do something to help them. But as you would imagine, um, thoughts entered into my head. You don't have the right voice for that. 
Who's gonna listen to you? You're not. Yeah. A, you're not star. You don't have fifty thousand followers, and a whole battery of things that were against this idea. And so finally, finally, after nudges from family, after a number, I also mentor and coach now as well for young professionals um, who want to try to find their next logical place in higher levels of corporate. Um, I said to myself after meeting with a lot of them and hearing them say, gosh, you're just so cut out for this. And then I was reminded by a very, very close family member that way back in the day, um, it was, it was um, prophesied that I would do coaching. And it was after all of that information came to me, I said, I'm going to do it. I don't, I'm not going to be concerned about what all of those other voices, internal mm -hmm. and external, are saying. I'm yeah. just going to launch out in the deep. And, you know, if this is something that I'm supposed to do, I'll know within one year. I'm not going to listen to any rhetoric for one year. I'm going to give it a solid year. And, here I am at the seventh month with the stats that I just shared with you, getting all sorts of awards and accommodations, and it's just a beautiful thing. But that's not why I do it. Why I do it is because there's people out there who were just like me, Dallas, who were in this really funny spot, right? They were in this repetitive cycle that they couldn't see how they can break out of, and I've unlocked how to do that. And it's a repeatable process. And if they just listen to the podcast, they could literally through all of those episodes, find the thing that they're <laughs> struggling with, yeah. commit that to memory, commit that to heart. I give homework, do the homework, and then they can break the cycle. So yeah. my big idea here is I just want to help people break the cycle so that they can be what they want to be and achieve what they desire to achieve. Mm -hmm. Well, I have a couple of questions based on what you were saying here. Sure. You said that you had the three things that impacts a child the most, the three things. Can you touch on what those three things are? Because I really think our audience are intrigued on what that would be. The three traumas? The three traumas, yes. Um, this probably need a probably need a, a R rating here, PG-13. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Go um, ahead. Thank you for sure. that warning. But, but, but I, I most certainly can. Um, the day before Christmas, as a five-year-old, my mother had a boyfriend, and her boyfriend was of, of the violent type. Mm -hmm. And um, I had to watch him literally beat her almost to death. I mean, there was blood all over the house all over the Christmas tree, all er, everywhere you can imagine there was blood. Mm -hmm. um, that's scenario number and one. And so we would call this abuse. Is that is that what we would call this? Yeah, this? that's certainly what it would be for um, the the person who is the survivor. Mm -hmm. But but for a five year old, you're you're just not supposed to see anything like that, yeah. especially um, when it's your mother and you're in a single parent scenario, right? So the number two, um, there was this instance where my little sister was, uh, so there was me, I was the oldest and have two little sisters. Um, 
the second situation was um, there was um, some sort of um, um, drug that I guess you, you would smoke and it was in our living room, I guess, left over from the party the previous night. And my little sister got, got it, put it in her mouth and she had a reaction to that that changed her life forever. Um, she has not been the same as a result of that. Um, and then the other situation is um, a different boyfriend who also was of the, uh, um, the type of guy who, when he got angry, didn't mind you know, hitting a woman. Well, he went a step further. Um, he was hitting her in the head with a hammer. And so, you know, again, this is in the space of two years between, I guess, I'm four and seven, somewhere between in there, if I'm remembering correctly. And, and as I shared this information with the counselor, um, she, she was just literally blown away that I had come to where I'd come to at that point where I was speaking with her somewhere around age 23, 24. Um, and, and I hadn't totally wrecked my own life and I hadn't totally taken on the same behaviors because it's mm -hmm. customary yeah. during that That's impressionable that period. About, right? that exactly. Cycle. It's, it, it's yeah. customary during that impressionable cycle, the first seven years for you to see these things and become what you mm -hmm. see. So, so now go back three years, I give my life to Christ, and now you see this barrier being placed around me, this hedge of protection that's not allowing me to be that old identity, but it's allowing me to put on Christ and to put on mercy and to put on grace so that I could take on my new identity that's yeah. more Christ-like. So. Yeah. So it all worked together for good. And boy, am I one heck of a witness for people who have gone through that or mm -hmm. something similar. It's, it's a real different ballgame when you're mentoring and coaching someone and they say they've experienced a form of trauma and you have a textbook version of understanding versus mine where there's a threefold understanding of what that feels like to a young person in their entire being. And so another reason why I put so much of my heart into the podcast, and we have listeners that are like all around the world. There aren't any continents where the content isn't being played. So I really feel like at this junction, Dallas, that we're doing a really, really good work and a lot of people are benefiting from it. Yeah. Yeah. And I asked those questions, Mike, because I just wanted to build your credibility to our audience today that you have, you're helping people with this, but you've also experienced it as well. You've overcome yeah. the trauma yourself. You're not just some guy who's pushing pencils and just studied it. You lived it as well. And yes. although it, it's horrible that you had to live this, God is using yeah. it for his glory and his good. And, and you're reminding yeah. me of myself that one of the biggest healing moments in my life is after I gave my life to Christ, where I sat down with someone as well. And we identified where was God when these things happened? Where was God at? And we, I understood, yeah. wow, God was there. 
He was there with me the whole time. He never left me alone. He never abandoned me. And it changed my thoughts of who God was, that even though the bad things happened, he was He was still working for our good. And, and that's, that's a right. hard thing to learn, a hard thing to ask. But when you allow God to come in and when you ask where he was, he was there. And I believe he'll answer you to all of our Absolutely. audience who are listening today. Absolutely. That no matter that's what you experienced, God was there. And he was... It was breaking his heart just as much as it was breaking yours, Mike, for your mom and for all the situations that you had. And your sister, God was there. God was hurting too. And I think it's, we give him a bad rap sometimes, you know, like God let this happen. Why did he, you know, it's, it's tough. It's a tough thing. It can be, it can be for sure. Yeah. Going a little bit more into the podcast itself. So the mindfulness, cognitive behavioral therapy, neuro-linguistic programming. So Mm -hmm. just what break that down, because that's hard to say, but just break it down. What are you giving your audience when they listen to your show? Sure. So when when we when we're talking about mindfulness, what we're really talking about is becoming self-aware. We're we're endeavoring to understand um at an emotional level, at a feeling level, and at an and at a mental level, what is it that makes up Michael? What is it that he likes? What is it that he doesn't like? What are his strengths? What are his weaknesses? What are his triggers? Where where who can press those buttons, <laughs> right? And 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 does he have any sort of ants? Does he have automatic negative thoughts running through? So the mindfulness component is very, very important to help us understand us as a being. And then the cognitive behavior therapy piece, that's just helping us to then put a structure around how we think, how we behave and the common patterns that we see. And then the neural linguistic programming is the wrapper. Now that we understand, here's what we need to do to fix it. Mm-hmm. So they're, they wow. are the three, they, the, the, we call them the three amigos. They work together um, sort of interlaced mm-hmm. to bring about the change that we desire. In my work with mentoring and coaching, I find that, of the work that I do is in the mental space. Once we get that squared away, the other 20% for the tactical things they want to do, I want to be a public speaker. Um, I want to have presence when I walk in the room. I want to have a higher degree of confidence in myself. These things are simple once we get the mindset squared away. So that's why I wanted to focus exclusively on mindset, because for me to break generational court, I shouldn't call them curses, but generational limitations, Mm -hmm. uh, I I had to do every single thing that I'm telling them to do. So I I feel like a very credible witness to the process. And because I've been there and done that, I've got T-shirts and socks and caps and shirts and trousers. Um, it's easy for me to relate to where they are so that I can pick them up and share with them the pathway to where they want to go. Yeah. And what would you say are some of those main limiting behaviors that people have? Because we all have, you said negative thinking. I think that's probably one of the biggest, but go ahead and and go into that a little bit more. So the biggest one, Barna, number one is I am not enough. 
And I am not enough is across all ethnicities, all age brackets, all orientations. There's this, there's this internal feeling that I'm not worthy. Um, that's for them, not for me. I don't have what it takes to be this, to achieve that. And um, it's probably of that 80% that I told you about, right? That's probably 60% of the individuals that I work with, Dallas, that feel that way. And we're just way too hard on ourselves. Our parents maybe have been too hard on us. Influential folks in our lives have been too hard on us. And we've accumulated those things. And what happens is we build a chemical compound called a memory. And those get recorded in our subconscious mind. And so anytime something comes up, that has the appearance of one of these things that we've recorded that's not one of the happy-go-lucky kind of feelings or emotions, then that thing gets spun up and brought back to the front as a limiting belief. I'm a, I'm a visual a learner, and that helps a lot, saying it like yes. that. Wow. Yes, wow. it comes right back to the front, and it says, stop, stop, this is not us. This is for them. This is for her, but not us, right? And we call this maladaptive behavior. Back way back when, when we were being chased around by saber-toothed tigers, right? Yeah. That's where this instinct came from. And in this whole protective mechanism, we call it mal, bad, because there's no tigers anymore. All of this activity is taking place within our own being. And we know from science and numerous studies, Dallas, that in the same way that you can experience something naturally, right? You can create the same set of circumstances in your thinking and it will not be um, any different with respect to impact as if you really experience it. So we do this to ourselves and we get in that loop that says, that's not for me. I can't do it. I'm too old. Or we self-sabotage. So we find reasons why we can't do it. Weird reasons sometimes. And, 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 and it's interesting to me that you're saying this is, it doesn't matter the age. It doesn't matter the nationality. It doesn't matter your location. It doesn't matter your race, anything. Because I think mm -hmm. from what you're saying there, it makes me think that the enemy is so focused on making us have a false identity of who we truly are. Because if we know who we are, man, look out, man. That's profound, what you just said. Absolutely truthful. Um, and, and, and so I know our pastors, they work very, very hard to help us understand that, hey, we've got like a whole new person. We are a whole new person now. But. Where I come into the picture is with the renewing of the mind piece. Yep. I don't know that the people that I work with per se have a conscious discipline around the renewing of the mind part. 
Because if you don't renew the mind, you can't put on the new image. You can't be this new creation created in Christ. You can't do that until you accept, oh, you know what? I don't care what my thoughts are saying. I don't care what I learned 14 years ago. I don't care what my influential friend told me, my influential family member said about me. That was back then. This is now. I've made this commitment to Christ. He has said, this is how I go forward. And that's how I'm going to go forward. And there's, 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 there's a whole lot of mental energy that has to be channeled for this to take place. And that's where I come into the picture. That's amazing. That's amazing. I want to go into that a little bit more for our audience that for my life, when I was in my addiction and I did a whole bunch of horrible stuff in my life before Jesus. And, and then after being saved and trying, like you're saying, the transformation, the transforming of the mind, the renewing of the mind. And now where I am today, I cannot define myself. You can speak for yourself here, Mike, but I cannot define myself on who the people around me say that I am. Just like you're saying, I can only define my identity through Jesus and what he says about me, because even my own thoughts sometimes are crap about who I am. You yes. Know? My wife, yeah. you know, she could have a bad day and say something too. You know, I can't base it who I am on my wife's words either. It needs to be on Jesus only. That's the only way I found freedom after my addiction is finding my identity through Christ, Christ alone. And that's it. Not even my own thoughts, which is wild. Not even my wife's thoughts, who I value the most in this earth, you know? Like, it has mm-hmm. to be Christ. It has to be. It has to be. It has to be. Yes. Another thing you were you were discussing that made me think of is social media. What are we doing to stop the renewing of our mind? And how does social media play into that? Um, you know, I meet some folks and, you know, they're already going through scenarios where they lack self-esteem, how we feel about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, if you then tie that into having an impure environment where others are always judging by themselves, right? Or if you have another scenario where Maybe like me, you had someone influential say something about you. Maybe it's your height. Maybe it's your weight. Maybe it's your build. In my, um, in my case, you know, it, my my mental capability. Mm-hmm. Now, look on a social media platform at someone who's all doctored up, right, and would appear for that. 25 second video or 45 second video to have it all together. And you think not knowing that they're doctored, um, that that's a reality that you're not a part of. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. There's this thing we call emotional quotient and the emotional quotient suggests that how something comes into your world and impacts you on an emotional level, the greater degree that is, the, the, the deeper it's written into the subconscious. And anything that comes into the subconscious becomes pattern-driven, right? Pattern-driven. Imagine someone who's looking at social media and comparing themselves to this guy or gal or situation, right? 
and you can just flick for endless numbers, right? I sometimes have to tell people if we're going to work together, I'm going to have to ask you not to, I'm going to have to ask you for, a, I call it a social media sabbatical mm -hmm. because I don't want anything, especially if it's not true, to interfere with the work that we're trying to do. And this is, this is a huge issue. I also, um, I'm a part of an independent school district where I serve as chief technology officer. And the damage that we're seeing to our kiddos as a result of social media is just astronomical all the way to, and I'm, I'm sad to say this, up and through suicide. So this is a big problem that you touched on, Dallas. And what you're saying reminds me too, my son, he's only 13 months old. No, no, he's one year and three months old. So about 15, 14 months old. And he already looks for my approval at this oh, yeah. age. He oh, already yeah. looked, dad, are you watching me play with my piano? Dad, are you watching me pick up yeah. the sticks? It's yeah. crazy. We, we're building this from such a young age. Oh yeah. 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 I, uh, I see uh, kiddos that are, I don't know, I'm making, I don't, I don't know precisely, but I'm going to say two-ish around two who are scrolling on Instagram, scrolling on TikTok. Mo Mom and dad are. <laughs> and those are things that are being stored. It's all getting written. Birth through age seven, you're on constant record, wow. right? Whatever wow. is coming in, that is what's going to form the foundation or the lens with which you begin doing life from age seven and beyond. And, 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 and the Jesuits, they really understood this. 400 years ago, they said, show me the boy, right, at birth. And seven years later, I'll show you the man. Yeah. And I just wish that somewhere in the public school system, somewhere in our educational system, we could make that understood to all of our parents that we have to guard the content that's coming in to the mind and we have to start that literally when they're born yeah that's but the crazy thing is mike i think we need to do it too as we adults. do most certainly we need to do it more than the kids well maybe not more than the kids i'll take that back but i mean it starts with us it starts with what i'm watching it starts with what i'm consuming yes sir and then to apply it to my son you yes know? sir for me yes, personally, sir. anyways. That's for right. For me. That's right. Man, man. And what else can you tell us? Maybe some stories or testimonies that you've had from people that you've worked with that they it seemed impossible to overcome, but through your help and through your methodology here, they're they're overcoming or something like that. Um, I'm right now I'm in a cohort where I'm working with a group of men and um um there were, I don't want to say because um, I don't want to say exactly what their challenges were, even though I could probably disguise it, but I don't have authorization and I want to respect their privacy and confidentiality. But there were, there's some men that I'm working with right now and they're coming literally from various extremes. And we have, as part of uh, your thought life uh, mindset coaching, we have three tracks, our coaching track. 
our podcast track and then our public speaking track. Um, so in the coaching track, we're doing some um, pro bono work for young professionals. And there's a couple of men in this track and they're just really on really different extremes, but in both extremes, very trying circumstances. And what we've done for them is we've sort of broken down um, a program into a four to six week um, cycle. And in this cycle, um, there's some really, really deep work that we have to do to get beyond that point where we recognize I'm in a cycle. Um, we become self-aware so much so that we're now consciously aware of what we're subconsciously doing. You know, most of the day we're on autopilot. 95% of our day comes from the subconscious and the other 5% from our conscious mind. So who do you think wins this 95 battle? is a lot. <laughs> so, so, wow. so we're teaching people how to get into the operating system, if you will, into the 95% where the real work has to be done. And just in the same way, Dallas, we repetition this in those seven years. We repetition it out with new behaviors, with new patterns, with new beliefs and new levels of awareness. And then we document things so that we know what is it that I'm good at. Let's leverage that, right? But what do I have as opportunities? Some might refer to those as weaknesses. We document those. And if we have a day and it went well, we chalk that up as a win. We celebrate, right? And, and we use all of these tools collectively to help build a new version of that person. And we do it in a repeatable way so that we start with one goal, we go through the cycle, and once the cycle is complete, we take the exact same process, looking at that journal entry that says, okay, I've got 14 things I wanna go after. Number two is this one, and you take the same process and repeat it. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a phenomenal uh, tool in our kit, and most certainly would encourage anybody to reach out if they could find um, this particular process helpful for them. Yeah. It sounds like we're all going back to the mindfulness, the self-assessment, you know, take that That's calibration, the key. understand That's what's the going absolute on. Key, Dallas. Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? And the verse says, why do I do the things I hate to do? Paul was saying exactly. that as well. Exactly. You know, let's exactly. learn what's going on inside of us. Exactly. If we're on autopilot for that many hours a day, you know, 95%, Man, that's insane. <laughs> I got to calculate what's going on inside of my mind here too. Yeah, Thanks, Mike. Yeah. That's crazy. It's definitely um, one of those talking points that really awakens your consciousness. Because mm. if you think about, you know, you're just going down the street, you say to yourself, I'm going to go to this destination. You can be off looking around mm -hmm. and checking out this, that, and the other, people watching, and somehow you still wind up where you want it to go. Well, that's the subconscious, right? Just leading you and guiding you to where you want it to go, even though you're doing other tasks in between it, right? And, and when we start to see life differently from that lens, then we can begin to go, oh, I see what's really going on here. I've been on autopilot, 
Mm-hmm. And that's that constant loop we find ourselves in we can't break free of. So we got to get into the operating system. And the podcast episodes attack that from a variety of different angles yeah. with different topics and titles. But they all come back to this central idea that once we get our mindsets square and we are able to get to a place where we're consciously conscious of what we're doing, then we can start to make the subtle changes that are necessary for us to achieve what we want to achieve. Well, if I could end the podcast today with one overall practical practical thing we can do today to apply everything you're saying, what would that practical thing be today? I would say above everything, and you've highlighted it twice during our talk today, the self-awareness component, which is the core of mindfulness, that's the absolute ground zero. That's that's the foundational element that I think we all can benefit from. More often than not, I talk to a lot of folks who don't have goals, um, short or long term, and you know, psychology says they're drifting. They're just sort of getting up and doing life the way they did it the day before. And there's nothing to really shoot for. And that's not by design what the Lord had for us. Right? We should be out pursuing things that um, would promote the kingdom. We should be doing things that are helpful. We should be like, like little mini Christ, like yeah. serving. Yeah, and, for sure. And, and 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 doing things to uplift and build up, right? Well, uh, uh, we got to do that for us first. <laughs> if we don't do that for us, we won't certainly be able to do it for anyone else. And 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 that's what the and that's the piece that breaks my heart. I just see so many people who really don't know what they need to do to be their best. And that's why we do so much pro bono work, right? Is is to just help people get back on track. Now, I'm not suggesting that you know we do all uh, the vast majority of our work pro bono. There there are some programs that we offer that are paid for, but we do do an awful lot of work pro bono. As I just shared with you in this cohort, you know we're not charging anything from that, and and we're just trying to help people who are really, really stuck and just need a helping hand. Yep. And, and, and that's what Christ would do. Christ would lend a helping hand and, and he wouldn't charge anybody for that. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. I've had, I've learned so much. I need to apply some of the things they're saying today as well. <laughs> it's so easy to just drift. It's so easy to just, you know, live in the subconscious mind, but we need to be yeah. attentive. We need to identify what's going on. Why am I making these decisions and going back to that again? So Thank you so much. I really, I think this conversation was valuable for our audience today. And how can our audience connect with you? How can they listen to your show? How do they find you on social media? Yeah. So um, with respect to the podcast, it's uh, www.yourthoughtlifepodcast.buzzsprout.com. Or they can um, head over to the website, www.yourthoughtlife.com. They can pick up the the podcast there, have a look at any of our other services to see if those are of interest. Um, And 
through the website, they would have the opportunity to check out the other social media sites. We're doing some work on on YouTube. We just started that. And we're also doing some work in Instagram, providing inspirational updates uh, mostly every day. And uh, yeah, so that would be the way that they would do that. Excellent. Thank you so much again. If I can have you end our time together with a prayer, that would be great. Sure. Lord, we must most certainly thank you for this time with Dallas. We want to thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to uh, do work that glorifies you. And most certainly we appreciate and thank you for all the things that uh, you have before us. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you for this podcast, the number of individuals who will be blessed. Thank you for Dallas and the work that he's doing along with his wife uh, in the missionary space want to pray a special um, prayer for their works, that they be able to reach more souls, reach more lives, create change in the area that he's operating in. We ask for all these things in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening and supporting another episode of My Life Now. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast show and share it with a friend. Together, we can keep the message of these books alive. Until we turn the next page together, stay classy. Thank you.